At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Well, that's fun. That's the official start to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. Well, then it's always hard to eliminate. Do you know what's really where, fun about really our podcast? Fun. That this continues to happen and we have yeah. at this point no idea how where to it's coming it. from, how to stop it. Yeah. Well, it's also the fun of doing a live show. That's why you tune into a live show. See, if this were just a regular old podcast, you know what we would do? We would edit it out. We just edit all that out. But we don't We'd have to. We'd be perfect professionals and you wouldn't have to worry about any of that. So you found it now? Yeah. Oh, so are we going to pretend that, that we're starting it? Let's pretend we're starting over. Oh, So oh, everybody really wipe their you? brains, men in black style. Are we really doing this? Yeah, okay. Everybody wipe their brains, okay. men in black style. Here we're we starting go. over. Here we go. Here we go. That's so much better. Nothing to see here. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to Sift Pop. Yeah. So Aaron and I are doing, it's Friday. That means that our fans have supported us to do two days a week on our live recording of our podcast, Shoe the Dough. And Fridays is our Sift Pop segment where we cover pop culture, movies, TV, video games, all the stuff that's kind of going on in the pop culture world. It's our second official full live episode of Sift Pop. Thank you for joining us on Mixler. Feel free to comment there if you have any questions or any insight into what we're talking about. Uh, last week, we did a rewind episode. Yeah, our very first edition of Sift Pop three years ago was with Jeremy Scott, <laughs> who is now Mr. CinemaSins. And it's really interesting to listen back to us talk about the Avengers and how you can hear, if you listen to the show, and by the way, it's still in the podcast feed, you can hear him lean towards some of those sin-type moments as we talk about the Avengers. And it's just interesting to see, you know, now that's what he does on a weekly basis. But now we're or more back. more than that. Yeah. We are back from vacation, so we're going back into full swing. So this is entirely interactive. Like Aaron said, if you're listening live on Mixler, you can chat with us. Or if you're streaming from the internet, you can always tweet us at Aaron and Danae or at Shoe the Doe, whatever you want. And then, of course, later on, if you're listening in the podcast feed, please consider rating and subscribing the podcast so that we can kind of keep jumping through some pretty fun hurdles here, including like the numbers of those who are subscribing just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, so if you know anything about Sif Pop, it also branches from The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl. And so it's hosted by The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl every week. I'm The Critic. Danae is the girl, and this week we are joined by uh, John from Jogwheel as our resident geek. John, how's it going, man? It's going well. Thank you for having me back on the program, or I guess the first time, because I was on the Critic of the Geek and Girl, and this is slightly different. But, yeah, yeah, you were on video last time with yeah, us. Yeah, it's the evolution of the Critic of the Geek and the Girl and Sif Pop kind of merging together yes. to become this weekly live podcast. And we do, we do miss a little bit that video element, you know? We would love to continue to figure out a way to do both, you know, broadcast this live video to, you know, a Google Hangout and then live audio to Mixler and just let people tune in or there Periscope or whatever. There goes Aaron. He's getting ahead I of himself love, again. No, no, no. I love the idea of it's people not time yet. being able <laughs> to just interact with it however they want to. You know, if they want to watch the video feed from inside the studio, they can, all that kind of fun stuff. So, but yes, sorry, getting ahead of myself. You don't have that option right now. You just get to hear our lovely voices. <laughs> well, right. it, it works out great for me because I, I don't have to comb my hair or put on my... <laughs> Or put on clothing? Is that what you said? Or put, or put on nice clothing. Oh, okay. Whoa. All right. Whoa. I live in New Hampshire. I have to wear clothing <laughs> year-round. It never gets to the point. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about Jogwheel, your YouTube channel, and kind of what you do so people know where to find you. Sure. I feel like I've made a living telling people what I do because there's so many things involved. I produce uh, 15 separate web shows across a, a few different YouTube channels. Collectively, they have about a million subscribers, but... 
these days that doesn't matter much. Um, I got famous way back when microwaving stuff, and and these days, uh, much like you, Aaron, I review movies. Show called Movie Night. Um, I also do um, gaming let's plays, and I have another show where I just read spam emails and make fun of stuff and <laughs> sign up sign up for all those like Viagra links and stuff. And it, oh my goodness. It's it's amusing. I have a really good time. I, I've been doing YouTube as a full-time job now for, I think, eight years. Um, and it's it's a blast. It's like the greatest job in the world. It really is. So a uh, yeah. pleasure to be doing it and a pleasure to be with you guys again today. No, Glad we to love have it. You back. Yeah, we loved having you on the show. Love your insight. Love how you care and have a passion about film and good storytelling. Well, I mean, if, if you don't have a passion for something, like what's the point, you know? Right. I like you have, to, you have to have some emotional... I don't know, connection and some passion for what you're talking about. And, and sometimes I get hate comments for that. Like, why do you care so much about these movies? Like, well, why not? What, if I didn't care, why would I bother talking about it? I you know? totally agree. Speaking of passion about things, um, <laughs> Danae, you're laughing. What do you, do you see something in the comments? Oh, yeah. Well, this is, so we're doing stuff pop today. Yeah. The Critic, the Geek, and the Girl reviewing various items. Mm-hmm. We talked about movies and things like that. And uh, one of our fans in the chat room already said, "Fingers crossed for discussion about a deadly adoption." Which have <laughs> was you that seen? That Lifetime you, movie parody. Have you seen the trailer for it? I haven't seen the trailer, oh but gosh. I know what you're talking about. If if not for Hulu, I would not have seen the trailer either. But I've been watching, and yeah, there's a pretty amazing trailer out there. So. <laughs> That's a great, great suggestion. Yeah, that is a great suggestion. Maybe we'll cover that like next week. Is is the movie itself out yet? Oh no, we don't need to ha- wait to cover it. We can just breeze right over it. <laughs> we can kind of go. This is a must see trailer because anything that Will Fail Will Ferrell is in, you just can't quite take seriously. Right. But he doesn't break that serious character role in you know like in the from what I can tell. Is it good or is it obviously over the top? Well, well, I, I can I jump in real quick? Yeah, oh, feel yeah. Free. Uh, so my wife saw the trailer and convinced me, like, this is going to be a Lifetime movie parody. So that, like, really overwrought, domestic, stress, divorced marriage kind of situation, but with Christian Wig and with Will Ferrell. And then my wife tuned in to watch it because it aired live on Lifetime earlier in the week. And she's like, this is terrible. It's not fun <laughs> at all. And, and it turned out that it's it's actually – it's an earnest Lifetime movie. Yes. And it was only the trailer – that sort of tricked people into thinking it was going to no, be a comedy. It's not. I don't think that they were trying to trick. I think that the trick <laughs> is, is that we cannot put Will Ferrell into a serious role. That's just not something that our brains have been trained right. to so do. Right. So everyone just sort of misunderstood. Like, well, if Will yeah, Ferrell's it exactly. Well, it's not just Will Ferrell. It's Kristen Wiig too. I mean, yeah. you know, those are comedic actors. I think that they probably had a conversation about it. Like, let's just give this all we've got, and if it doesn't work, we'll just say that it was for comedy. Because they. <laughs> That's. <laughs> But that is I ha- a completely fair strategy. <laughs> I do I do have a similar experience that happened many years ago with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind when I first kind of had my experience with Jim Carrey in a more serious role. Right. And I loved that movie so much. I thought he did a fantastic job. And of course, since then, he's done multiple roles that show his dimensions as an actor. Oh, his role in Man on the Moon is one of the most spectacular, spectacular acting performances I've ever seen. I completely agree with you. But I haven't really had that experience with Will Ferrell. <laughs> so, there is the one, what was the one movie I really loved him in? A Stranger Than Fiction? Oh, that yes, was good. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, oh, he was really good in that. I totally forgot about that. Good point. Yeah. And that was a good movie. It was a very good movie. I, I think at some point in every comedian's career, they, they make that shift towards dramatic acting and they try yeah. to do a more serious role and some have transitioned better than others adam sandler did a punch drunk love what was that 10 12 years ago yeah and it, I, even though it was well received it wasn't successful and he sort of degenerated back to what yeah he <laughs> degenerated is the right <laughs> word that is the uh, right whereas, word whereas i think other actors like steve carell i think made that transition beautifully That's oh a good yeah point. from the daily show to movies like yeah. um uh, what's that movie that I, I love so much with the well, dane I, cook is in it well, I love the. I know the one you're talking about, but I love the yeah. way way back. I think he's incredible yeah, in the that, way that way back. That was also really really good. That was fantastic. But yeah, and he I'm, was great in it. I'm having trouble thinking of the one you're thinking of, but it was it was really good as well. If Dan you, in real life. Yeah, Dan that's in it. real life. That's it. Yes, yeah, so was that the one with the pancakes? 
Was there like a stack of pancakes? This is just. <laughs> thank that you. Was the movie, the movie poster you. was him on a stack of pancakes. Thank you. Right. Thank you. See, this is was why. Was that the one with the pancakes? <laughs> That's why the I know girl. What she meant. Thank you. Uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, it was him on a stack. I don't. It's, they don't. I don't know if they eat pancakes in the movie either. No. It was just sort of an image. Uh, that, yeah. And uh, the BDG in the comments mentions the uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He, he says the one with the little girl in the van is the one he. But Little Miss Sunshine was, I think, Steve Carell's first kind of endeavor into those right. more dramatic yeah. roles. Yeah, for sure. But that movie sort of had that Wes Anderson sort of quirky comedy vibe involved in it. Yeah. Whereas the That's movies true. later were, were completely, completely straight. That's true. Yeah, That's he's, true. He's had a pretty good run so far. That yeah. entire bunny trail is thanks to our live commenters on That's Mixler. why I love having a live show with people tuning in. Just another in. invitation. Every Friday at noon is our mix pop, or our sift pop on Mixler, which mm-hmm. is where you can where you can chat live. So and Another shoe, the dough, shoe the Dough long term is intended to be on every day at noon. Right now we're on Tuesday and Friday. So if you want to check in with us at noon, Tuesday and Friday, that's when we are there. All right. So thank you for that bunny trail. Appreciate that. In the comments, um, you know, we were talking a little about passion. People who see my office, who know me, know my passion is Pixar. I love the storytelling they do. I'm not alone in this. You know, obviously a lot of people have fallen in love with their movies. And they have $10 billion worldwide. <laughs> Ten billion. Wait for this movie? No, 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 no. Obviously not for one movie. For all fifteen. Oh, I was like, good lord, what happened overnight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I slept too long. (laughs) No, I mean, when you think they've only made fifteen features, but ten billion is an astronomically large amount of money. It technically it's not one franchise. I thought you said, but if it were one franchise, that bests Harry Potter. That's better than James Bond. That's better than Star Wars. They have done very, very well consistently for 20 years now. And I think people do see them as a franchise. I think that's what's interesting about them is that Pixar is a franchise, even though they're telling original stories, which, by the way, how great is it that they're still committed to telling these original stories? Can I make a quick interjection there on the original story part? I'm, I'm calling it now, and we'll have it on record. Inside Out will become the first animated feature to win for original screenplay. Do you think so? I I do. I really do. I and, think and, there's at the very least it's it's certainly going to get nominated and I can confidently say that now it'll get nominated. I think it has a good chance to win though. I I am telling you at this point and again there's still a lot of the year left but I vote in the Critics Choice Awards uh every year and I I do you know take part in the nominations. It will certainly be part of the discussion for best picture, not just best animated picture, but I will I will make sure it's part of the conversation for best picture and I hope it gets some nominations. I mean is it is it already a lock for animated feature? It feels like it, doesn't it? I, well, the, well, Pixar has another movie coming out this year, which is the first time they've had two releases in the same calendar year, uh, right. The Good Dinosaur in late November. Um, so, I mean, that could turn out to be even better. Pixar has a tendency to one-up themselves. But I feel like this is already sort of locked in. I don't think Minions or, or any other – I'm trying to think of animated features coming out this year. I don't think anything else is really going to give it a run. You know, the only things that ever compete seem to be the more obscure kind of film um, – yeah, film festival type editions that find their yes. way into the category. Those can kind of compete sometimes because they're a little more arty and there's, you know, attraction to those kind of things in the, the voting public. But uh, but no, I, th- I think it's pretty much a lock for best animated and I would love to see it in some of the greater categories as well. But yeah, I think that, that, uh, that you know, gives away a little bit of how we felt about the movie, but, I you know, not that that's much <laughs> of a mystery. I don't think you can hold it back. I mean, there's no, just some, so. there's some, uh, movies that when they come around, they have uh, like a instant ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always know it when I start hearing it from certain certain groups of friends who start talking about it, you know, and in, right. inviting people to go and enjoy the film. And even though, Aaron, you are a undisputed Pixar fan. Uh-huh. Um, and yes, if you guys were in the studio right now, <laughs> I could pan around the room and we would see <laughs> Pixar paraphernalia uh, yeah everywhere in fact there is actually to my right about a three foot tall cardboard cutout of anger sadness and disgust <laughs> and a nine foot cutout cardboard that says inside out and has joy in the middle like with her hands extended yeah because he found them in the dumpster outside <laughs> of the movie theater and paused for a moment before going and like taking them out so Kudos to you for doing that because they shouldn't be thrown away. They're awesome. 
But yeah, he's a huge Pixar fan. But despite, you know, Aaron being a huge Pixar fan, you're also I'm also hearing like excitement from different groups of people, not just extreme Pixar fans. Right. So it's, I, I, I like to call this the mom test. The mom if test. Is, if, if it's like it's also a good measure of like who's famous as a celebrity. I remember a lot of the conversation last week with Jurassic World is, is Chris Pratt an A-lister? It's like, well, does mom know who he is yet? When that happens, the answer is yes. And I think with Inside Out, it sort of passes that that same test where is this the type of movie mom would see and mom would like and tell her friends about? And generally, if it hits that demographic, that it's sort of saturated and it's successful. And I think and I absolutely would be like, Mom, go watch this movie. You're going to love it. I would, too. And I would say dads and I would say anyone to go see. Yeah, but really. Because I think that as a I'm not a parent, but I feel like if I had kids, this movie isn't just fun to watch and it doesn't just have great colors and it doesn't just tell a story well about, you know, how thoughts work and the whole world they developed about, you know, how the human emotional center works Mm -hmm. and how it relates to our lives. Not only did they do that really, really well, but I think that they've really helped to identify how a kid can relate to their emotions and begin to understand how they do impact your every single day. And that tool I feel is a really good thing for a mom to be able to have a conversation with a child about or a parent be able to have a conversation with a child about as they're trying to figure out all these raw feelings that are coming around for the first time. It's as if Pixar just made the world's best educational video. Yes. You know, yes. like <laughs> this should be shown in puberty classes. <laughs> right? right? It like, feels that way. You're mm-hmm. going to feel weird things. Here's how we handle that. You know? <laughs> well, that's the sequel. And, and, I, and yeah. I, think I, I mentioned this to you, Aaron, earlier in the week uh, on a YouTube comment that I, I felt like as, as brilliant as Inside Out was, I feel like they almost sort of missed an opportunity by giving uh, or by setting Riley, the main character, at what was it, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think had they made her 13 or 14, the possibilities to really explore that early adolescence and puberty would have been so much more interesting. Oh, I think it's from, happening. I, I think, think it's coming. But don't you think? And, I, you, and if they go that route with yeah. the sequel, I will be very, very entertained. Me too. I, like there was that moment at the very end of the yes. film. With the- where uh, she meets a guy at a hockey <laughs> rink, and they, you know, they snap cut inside of his brain, so and it's all hands on deck, and his <laughs> little emotions are going co- completely crazy. And that was such a short but poignant moment, and it was like, oh, I want to see more of that. That sort yeah. of hormonal, out of control, we have no idea what's going on with our bodies visualized mm-hmm. with all of the brilliant animation work that Pixar does best. I, I agree. I like that we're moving into specifics now, and let's talk about some of the things we loved. I will jump off of that and say sure. that I love that there are so many small, nuanced moments in this movie, and some of them in five seconds are more insightful than entire films. You know, there's this moment, the one I keep going back to that I love to talk about is where Joy knocks over a box of facts and a box of opinions. And she's like, oh, no, I got all these messed up. (laughs) And the the train guy says, that's a that's all right. Happens all the time. In five seconds, there is such insight into the human mind in how, you know, it's just in there's stuff like that throughout the entire movie. And I think is one of the reasons I loved it as much as I did, because I never went more than a few seconds without something else engaging me and making me think about my own brain and how. I think and how I feel and how that interacts and I think the movie does that very well. I, I agree. There was definitely a lot of introspective uh, reflection that this movie sort of forces the viewer to embark on. As you're watching this movie, you're thinking to yourself, what would be my core memories? What are the things and events and memories that shaped my life in such a way? And you begin to draw these own parallels with your own life and that creates such a strong emotional resonance with the picture that it's it, it, it affected me in a way I did not think a Pixar movie could when I'm almost 30 years old, but it was very impressive in that regard. Similarly, like what you were saying is that Pixar just created a language for anyone who's seen this movie to be able to connect to. So now I can engage in a conversation with you. Like you just said, core memories, somebody who might had not have seen this movie yet is like, okay, what are they talking about? But instantly I can relate to what you're saying and I can communicate with you differently about things that maybe impacted me in my life. In fact, this morning I said my goofball island is off the charts right now. Somebody <laughs> who hasn't seen the movie might not understand that that means I've got this like super goofiness right now. And even though contextually you can probably understand what I'm saying, there's just a language that Pixar created for generations to come to be able to communicate to each other, which and, is fantastic. And you know, you talk about 
those are called islands of personality. You know, and you just think about that for a second, how your core memories create islands of personality. Again, mm-hmm. just just a little that, part yeah. of this movie, but how deep and interesting is that idea and how true is that to our lives where these things that happen to us create who we are in this very real way and how fragile that is. And I, it's just, yeah. The depth of this movie continues to go on and how they build it at the very beginning kind of showing how it all starts and then you know the complexity of a human being is sort of shown but it's not overwhelming and i know that the part of that is because you, know, they, they, you can't get too distracted for example after the movie was completed i thought now how fun would it be if the two main characters that they focused on weren't joy and sadness let's bring fear and disgust to the front and see what happens and i'm sure that they would love to do that which i'm hoping that perhaps they make some additional like shows i don't know like some kind of a fun show to watch where we can kind of continue with these characters. You want like a weekly television show. I don't think it'd be a bad idea if, because they have so much dynamic going on, even if they just stay with emotions, which personally I would love to see them do chemical reaction too. So like this is the emotional epicenter of somebody. What about the chemical one? So, all right, now estrogen just took over. Okay, testosterone just kicked <laughs> in. You know, like how, how does that work? You know, so there's other ways to explore the the diversity and the complexity of what happens inside one human. And again, because they've created this world of helping people to understand how to communicate what's going on on the inside, I think it would be really valuable for many, many different kinds of people. So those are some more of my my thoughts. And I was going to say on a filmmaking level, I think it was really impressive that Pixar was able to unload all of this exposition, which was very heavy in the front half of the film, Almost effortlessly. Like you're being explained nothing but exposition the first 20 minutes of the film, but it never feels overbearing at all. You're learning about these things and they keep it interesting and dynamic and they try to relate and connect to things that we're already familiar with. So even though they're they're creating this whole new language and this entire world that these characters explore for the next 90 minutes, it doesn't feel like it's just Amy Poehler telling you what happens and how it works. That's exactly what I was going to say. It it does a great job at not being narrated. You know, it technically is voiceover, but the visuals tell the story so so much more than the words do. And that's, you know, that's when I see a movie that relies on narration, it just feels lazy to me. And it feels like one of those things where, okay, I know I need to know information, but can you find a more engaging way to tell me that information? And you're absolutely right. Pixar does that beautifully right at the beginning. And it's not a surprise. I mean, Pete Doctor is so good at telling stories visually. And, you know, that those first 10 minutes of Up, you know, that everybody, right. you know, raves oh, about. Yeah. He's done this before. He yeah. gets how to create these you know, storytelling moments through visuals with, you know, uh, without needing the words. And I think that's beautiful. I was thinking about um, like my, like if I was going to describe this movie to somebody Mm -hmm. and I suddenly realized that it's a very diverse film for so many reasons, as we've been talking about, maybe you're picking up on. Um, But one of the things I wrote down is that this is a story of a hero's journey home. If you think about the whole movie from Joy's perspective, Mm -hmm. but it also allows you to really relate to multiple different characters really, really well. But you would think that it's like, oh, it's a story of a girl and her emotions. You know, that's another way to describe it. But I really feel like this film is about, you know, a character's journey home. It's kind of a buddy, like a trip, you know, like a road trip buddy movie in some ways. It's, It's one of those films where the main character gets lost and has to return home some way. So, which is a really interesting thing to realize that this movie is also about. So I wanted to kind of share that thought too. Yeah, there's a prodigal aspect to it. Yeah, really. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Any other thoughts on the movie? Yeah, what are some other things? uh, Is there anything we can talk about that we didn't like? We've been raving, which is not a surprise, but is there something, you know, that you pull out that you go, "Eh, maybe this wasn't up to snuff or this didn't work? Um, as, and I think one of my favorite scenes is the dining, uh, the dining room scene where the, we first, the first glimpse in the movie where we get to see inside other characters' heads yes. and see their counterpart emotions and how they're characterized. They look the same. They have the same color schemes. Anger is like a big ball of red fire, but in the different universes and the different brains in the mom's head, she's wearing glasses and is polite and I think wearing like a blouse whereas the dad's version of anger has a mustache and is yeah. the leader of the troop. Yeah. And I think that was a really interesting juxtaposition 
But at the same token, I also feel like that entire scene sort of played right into stereotypes. So like the dad is just aloof and not paying attention and the mom is sort of daydreaming about a Brazilian, you know, uh, helicopter pilot. So while I really liked the humor, I felt like it was a touch beneath the other more clever writing that Pixar is going for. Seemed a little on the nose to you? I well, not on the nose, just I feel like that sort of portrait felt lazy to me. Like, oh, the mom it perpetuates is about younger men and the guy yeah. is dreaming about football. It perpetuates stereotypes. But and I, I think, gotta yeah. tell you, as the husband who is aloof occasionally and has to tune back in, like it, it like I've been there. You know what I mean? It's a stereotype oh, no, I, for I, a I reason. I completely agree with it, and it definitely connected with my wife and I. We both looked at each other and laughed our butts yeah, off. Yeah, but there was there was something about it, like. They, they got the Riley character so well and all the nuances of her personality right. and how these things affect her, whereas the dad was just boiled down to, uh, what, huh? And I, I, I guess I kind of wanted to see a little bit more development with those separate characters. It was really interesting every time we saw somebody else's emotions. I will completely agree with you. And I thought about this a little bit afterwards that if I wanted to go back for something that I think I was missing, it is the insight into other people's minds, the other adults, the other characters' minds. That was so fun for me. But I wonder if they just knew we can't spend a lot of time in that. Otherwise, our main story will never go anywhere. So they had to be restrictive. Um, The movie changed for the moment that we zoomed into somebody else's mind and began to see and experience their control center. I was like, it went into another level of interest for me immediately. It was like just ramped up and I was like, yes, this is fun. And I loved that there was an element of maturity that was shown when when the filmmakers decided to put a different person in the driver's seat. Like sadness was in the driver's seat of the mom, but they're all equally present you know at the control center all these different emotions they were all pretty well put together showing to me that there had been a lot of experience in that mother's life and that even if sadness were in the driver's seat because they just moved or whatever whatever's going on in her life they were still trying to find balance and then that was also what was shown in the dad's life they all seemed to be pretty fine you know it was just we caught him in one of those moments whenever he was thinking about something else and that was that i think was that was that. a really quick way to telegraph to the audience like riley's character is still figuring stuff yes, out. Her emotions yes. are literally running all over the place. Yeah. Whereas over at mom headquarters, <laughs> they're all sitting down yeah. they're, and they're buttoned up and they're ready to work and that it's, they're treating it like a job and yes. they're very focused. It was really cool. And that's, and that's like a very visual metaphor for maturity and sort of figuring out life as we get older. You guys, we totally but, failed. We were supposed to think about something we didn't like and now we're talking about what we did like again. <laughs> but I that's guess, this well, that's, movie. I mean, you can find those little things, but in... With this movie, you will inevitably end up talking about why that is and how that does actually work and how, you know, it leads to other conversations and interests. And so it's uh, it's amazing. All right. Well, oh, I did want to mention something else while we were thinking about it. Yeah. Is that okay? That's fine. I mean, uh, we are we done talking about Inside Out? Well, because I, I had a few other things I wanted to say. Um, We're probably going to wrap it up here in just a second. Because we've got other things to talk about, but I just lost Jonathan, so I'm trying to. Oh get no! Back. Oh no! Okay, so you get Jonathan. Here's. Oh, he's calling, guys. Should we answer? <laughs> Hello. So let me let me say this while you work on getting Jonathan back. I'll just talk about this just for a second because I did want to touch on this. Um, Hello. Jo- hey, Hello. you're with us. Welcome back. It's okay. Um, I was just getting ready to talk a little bit about the, you know, emotion of a movie about emotions and how that impacted each of us. I can speak for myself. The first I've seen this twice now. Um, I've seen this twice. The first time I welled up three different times um, and actually cried uh, once. Uh, The second time I saw it, uh, I cried at the same place I cried before. It hit me again in the exact same way, but I didn't well up in the, the other places I had welled up. Um, I found that experience really interesting and the depth of it enough to hit me a second time like that was, I think, noteworthy to me, you know, that there are those moments and I personally don't want to give them away. I will just say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's not spoil because there were, yeah, I I also had a similar emotional release. Did you have one, Jonathan? Oh yeah. Oh, I cried. Did you? This movie was beautiful for sure. Okay. Well, when the podcast is over, (laughs) we need to talk about what our moment was. I would like to know. Sure. I, I, I have think, a curiosity. I think, I think we all know there was one moment towards the end of the second act that I think hit everyone watching okay. this. Okay, okay. It was probably yeah. the same one then. 
Yes. And I, I can't imagine what else. <laughs> I don't know. There were a few times. Three moments for him. For me, there was just two. So I'm curious to hear about the I third. think I'm two. I think I'm two. And I think I got a little bit teary-eyed on one other. But like I, I, I managed to hold down, batten down my emotional head. <laughs> I, we'll I will tell you. talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about this. So <laughs> I have realized my people at the helm of my little uh, emotional epicenter, my control room, is disgust and anger. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like joy is in there for sure. Like I definitely feel joy, but sadness is someone that I don't really like to talk to very much. And fear, you know, I try just to pretty much ignore that. So that was interesting too to kind of go, oh, okay, this is how I operate. But so, how interesting for you? And I know you've. Give away. I'm not going to give anything away. But you. how interesting for you that the movie itself the main theme and message of the movie was something that you were combating while feeling emotions about the movie. I'm an 11-year-old girl, guys. <laughs> I am an 11-year-old girl. It's just really interesting. That was a really cool uh, thought, though. I'm glad that that got brought, uh, brought up. Yeah, I just I found overall there were many, many moments where the movie just went deeper than I that I expected it to. It was just it just felt so resonant and deep, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. Cool. Completely agree. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit before we head on and do some uh, rankings of our Pixar stuff. Uh, I wanted to chat a little bit about how you can help the show. Whoa! Whoa, whoa Danae. Guys, that was so Danae, loud. My was... bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be allowed to push buttons. Um, yes, we, you, you're doing fine. You're Thank doing you. good. Thank yes. you. Um, so, no, what I was going to say was, if you want to support what we do, the more support we get at Patreon, the more shows we do during the week, and a lot of the stuff we do on Tuesday can kind of find its own place, like Pop Culture has on Friday. So Yeah, if you want to see Shoe the Dough expand, please consider giving 3 to $10 a month or more, whatever works best for you, at Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. And we do fun things. I mean, the people at Patreon, they get to have special perks. Mm -hmm. We also like to make sure that everybody gets perks. And so that's why we do giveaways from time to time from different sponsors. Like right now, we're doing a band giveaway. Mm -hmm. So there's just fun stuff that we try to always keep you up to date on. But if you want to see us keep going, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's incredible. We're humbled by it. We love it. And thank you so much for making this a... A pretty amazing experience. This brand new live radio mixed with recorded podcasts. Yeah. Mashup. Mashup that we're doing. Video in the future. Yeah. We just have a lot of really fun ideas and you're making it possible. So thanks for catching the vision with us. I agree with Aaron. Thank you. Like it, it is humbling to be able to tell people that this is possible because our fans support us and so thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, so let's talk about, now that we've seen this, another amazing Pixar movie, let's talk a little bit. Are you still there, John? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Um, I, I was just about to say, I love Patreon as a service, so I'm glad, glad to see you guys are doing well there as well. Are you on Patreon too? Yes, I am. I signed up um, early or late last year, and it's it's been fantastic. It's just such a great way to sort of bolster my income and, and let my fans help me in a, in a really tangible and immediate way. And yeah, uh, I, like you guys, I'm extremely humbled by the whole thing. And it's it's fantastic to see more and more people discovering this service and helping the creators that they want to support. And I love it, too, because, you know, if somebody's, you know, listening to us and they're fans of us and they love us and they're supporting us at three dollars a month or whatever. And then you come on the show and they're like, I like that guy. I love his opinions. You know, I need to go look more. They can throw a buck every month your way, too. You know what I mean? It's like it's small enough chunks that you feel like you can support the things that you love and it doesn't kill your bank account, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's such a great service and it's it's wonderful to see more and more creators adopting it as a, a mm -hmm. revenue stream. And it's, it's awesome that more and more viewers and audience members are actually supporting it as well. So Yeah, it's it's an incredible experience. Um, we, it ties back into the passion. You know, it's something that if you're passionate about something in life, we live in an age right now where there's a lot of ways to connect with other people who share a passion. And so um, that's just kind of, it's kind of a neat neat thing to, to be experiencing so. and, and you know and it's it's super exciting to be able to work together towards those passions yeah. so yeah i'm glad you're using it too john it, it's it's been a it's been a great great thing for us it's allowed us to do this we could yep. we actually could not do this with without that support Yay! so da, 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 da. nice uh <laughs> all right let's talk best pixar movies and that would be joy 
in the yes, driver's seat. Yes, that okay. joy just took over the controls. Joy I saw that happen. Over. Yep. Um, so <laughs> here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to know, first of all, uh, from Danae and John, uh, let me know, do you already have in your mind, before going to Inside Out, Do you have you had in your mind how you rank the Pixar movies? Like, have you gone through that thought process and gone, actually put them on paper or just thought about it? Or where's, you know, how have you thought about Pixar films as far as that goes? John, let's start uh, with you. I, I am asses- I'm obsessed with ranking and listing and, and numerically <laughs> rating everything I've ever seen. That's amazing. Every, every movie I've ever seen has a number rating and it's available at my letterbox profile. So, yes, going in, I knew that I had a favorite uh, Pixar movie. I knew that I had a second favorite and I was not expecting Inside Out to sort of really push its way up to the very near top of that list. Yeah, I had that same experience where I walked out going, wow. It, it may actually be battling there towards the very top of the list. I wasn't expecting that. Right, exactly. Um, so good. So yeah, I have an absolute list as well. I, I keep a uh, adjusted list every uh, new year. I rank my top 41 movies of all time. Um, so, you Why know, 41? Uh, 41 is just a number it's I landed on. Number. It's my favorite number. It's a beautiful oh, okay. number. It looks really pretty with all the, you know, the lines. It's crazy and talk. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's a prime number. Which I love. I love prime numbers. It now, was, how often does that list uh, change year to year? It changes. Well, there's new additions, and yeah. newer movies tend to find their way onto the list. Danae is obviously not a list person. Disgust has taken the controls. Disgust is that <laughs> I am rolling my eyes, and it's not because it's it's because I cannot imagine doing that in my own life. It's not because I think you guys shouldn't do it. I think it's awesome that you do. I wish I. No, it's it's definitely it takes a different type of personality. Yes, exactly. Uh, I am not one that way. Based on numbers and sort of quantifying, <laughs> and I and I really enjoy that from a from a weird obsessive sort of statistical hobby of mine. I love to rank and list and chart things That's awesome. that don't need to be listed or charted <laughs> or ranked. But, but it's, it's something, something that you I do. do. I think it's great. I love it. Yeah. I just can't. Good. Yeah. Good. For me, I would be like, okay, yeah, how do I feel right now? And then in 10 minutes, I'm like, I feel like maybe it's a different one. And so, I think that goes to what John's question was about how much does it shift? As far right. as the movies that have yeah. been on there before and they shift, it shifts. So, you know, there are certain movies I'll, I'll go back, especially the second year. After I've seen them a couple more times, and I'll go, oh, I put that way too high, you know, and it'll come down several notches or off the list, you know. Um, I was a prequel defender, uh, especially episode three, and that has come down my list the more and more I've, you know, looked at it. So it's it's interesting to see. It's interesting you brought up episode three specifically because when I rewatched it last year for a big Star Wars review episode I did on my show Movie Night – I was actually like, hey, this is better than I remember. Well, it's definitely better than one and two. Back up my list for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the best of the prequels, which is, you know, saying not a lot, but uh, it's interesting you picked that film because it was similarly one that I had ranked sort of a lot lower. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it when I was older, it was like, hey, this actually, it turns out better. And it's interesting to hear other people's process on how we reevaluate our own opinions. Exactly. Three or four years removed from when we first or, or saw a film a second time. And, and so it's, that's uh, that's what we look to do here with the the Pixar movies. So Danae, yep. I'm assuming you're not a list person, so you haven't done this before. What so rank? Rank things? your Pixar movies, your I, favorite Pixar I, movies. I only do this because you ask me to. <laughs> you and I think maybe Justin, my husband, he has asked me like, is it you know one of your favorites? So then I'm forced to think about it. So let's start with you. I think it's in my top three. Okay, what would those be? I think they're Wally and The Incredibles. And then inside out. But you, but if I I'm not thinking in depth on it, I just dump information so fast. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, cool. That was a great movie. Now I need to be focusing on the fact that my friend needs to help me. And, you know, or I have to go over to my friend and, you know, go to a meeting and be involved in her life. So, like, it's just I don't know. It's not very important to me. But Wally really had a great impact on me whenever I saw that one. And The Incredibles was really fun for me, too. So those are good choices. Thank you. John, what about you? Where was your list? Where do you think it is now? Uh, I think Toy Story maintains its top spot. I think for a lot of reasons, it was. It, it, I'm younger than you guys, so when I saw that movie as a younger kid, that was sort of a, like a, a reawakening. It was like, wow, this is a whole new world of animation. I've never seen computers do this before. Do you consider and, the Toy Story series kind of one entity, or do you separate them out? Uh, I, I, I see them as separate films. I've never liked the second one nearly as much as I think public opinion. I think the first one is near flawless i think the third one is really really powerful um but yeah if i had to rank pixar films i'd probably put toy story number one 
Inside Out at number two, and then Wally or Up in the third spot, which I both really, really like. Oh, yeah, see, I forgot about Up. <laughs> Even though yeah, I just no, mentioned up, it up earlier. Fantastic. Just the first 20 minutes alone, and then, and then yeah. after the first 20 minutes, I was like, wow, this movie is already fantastic. My list is very personal. Um, I had Finding Nemo at number one. Um, that movie impacted me greatly as a father of four boys, and I think hit me at a time in my life where I was really- Fish really meant a lot. Where fish meant a lot to me. <laughs> I just- <laughs> Just love yeah, I, again, that's that's sort of interesting. Is is I saw Toy Story when I was close to Andy's age, whereas you saw Finding Nemo when you were close to Marlon uh, Marlon's age. Yeah, wow. whereas I, I saw Finding Nemo when I was like fifteen, and it was like, all right, I I guess. And I related was, to I, a I, robot. I, I thought Dory was really funny, but I didn't really connect at all with like the, the parent side of things at all. What so. does that mean? What that you like Wally? Well, like you guys are like, yeah, I related because this character was my age, and I related because I'm a father, and I'm like, I related to a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you relate you relate to his curiosity, his hopeless romanticism, and and sort of his his yearning for love, I guess. That yeah, I think it's probably the same reason my wife loves Wally a lot. Probably he's like, like adorable, romantic at heart, and I, he's. I think I've ignored a lot of emotion my whole life, and he was kind of like coming to like he's a robot without emotion, sort of expressing life in his interesting yeah. way. Maybe I don't know. Keep going, Aaron. No, that's fine. So, that, so you said was, and Nemo has been your number one since I've known you for the last four it years. It is. It has been my number so, four movie of all time for oh, wow. as long as I can. You Which know, is remember. super impressive if you like lists, people. <laughs> no, it really. That's no. When someone tells me that, like I, I take that. To, that's like wow. You're you're serious. You yeah, so down. serious. No, I I think I, that movie is is perfect in so many ways for me emotionally, uh, storytelling wise. If we talk about it too much, he may cry. I I cry every time I watch it because it's so real. The other one I cry every time I watch is The Incredibles, which sounds a little weird to people because there's not a lot of emotional resonance. But when Dash runs on the water for the first time and gets to explore his powers like he never has before and fulfill his purpose, I I tear up every single time. There's something so joyful about that moment um that <laughs> so i just is that love your number two? that's What's been your my, rank? that's been my number two uh then wally then up uh then toy story three then ratatouille <laughs> i'm sorry i'll stop there um i do think ratatouille doesn't get mentioned enough though that's why i wanted to go down that far that is an incredible film it's it's really rather solid i think it's, it's a rat that also in the underrated category is bugs life i still love bugs life anyways now, though, I have to look at Inside Out, and uh, I, I, I can't put it above Finding Nemo. I just can't yet. I'll have to experience it a few more times, but I think I have put it above The Incredibles. I think it is in at number two right now as far as I experience, which is really so, surprising to me. Where does number two then rank on your, on your full list? Probably somewhere around 12 or 13. Um, okay. I have a lot of I have probably four Pixar movies on my overall list and probably about five Hitchcock am, movies. I'm going to call so. it, guys. This list conversation <laughs> needs to stop. It's so nerdy, but I love it. I can't. I can't Listen, do it anymore. If the girl, if the girl is going to be part of the critic, the geek and the girl, then she, she has to, to be able to have veto powers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fine. No, I will have it guys, off. We'll have it off podcast. You guys should geek out off podcast you know what we could do because we could here's here's what we're gonna do you just hold on here's what we're gonna do we're gonna finish this podcast live podcast yeah we are we're, we're gonna, gonna leave it, it we're gonna leave it recording we're gonna leave it up on and so we're gonna we're listen. gonna have that con- those continued conversations we're gonna geek out for hours and we're gonna put it up on patreon for our patreon supporters so yeah. it'll just be an extra that is just gonna be an extra thing for anybody that supports us at any amount you can listen to the the now, geeky list for those of you, you patreon patreon supporters who don't like lists I will be enduring the conversation <laughs> and making interjections to to talk on behalf of all of us. So <laughs> nice. All right, we will move on. But we do need to move on to the upcoming movies that we wanted to. Yeah, discuss. a couple movies came out this week. I have seen them both, and we like to do a thing that we call um, uh, "Need to Know." And so Danae watches the trailer and then asks the question she needs to know about the movies that came out this weekend. So I watched the trailer to um, two movies, mm-hmm. Ted Two. And Max. Mm-hmm. So we can discuss that. All right. So which one do you want to start with? I don't know. Jonathan, what do you think? Let's start with Max because I know nothing about this film. Okay. So do you want me to just kind of give a brief What overview? you saw from the overview of the trailer, what you think this movie is. So what I believe the trailer is showing is that there is a military family that has one son away at war who has a military dog named Max. 
And the younger brother is really into video game playing and not really as connected to the family and maybe his world as everyone is around him. And when the uh, brother in the military passes away, he inherits Max the dog. So it's kind of going to be, as far as I can tell, a journey of a young adolescent boy as he's trying to kind of wrestle with the emotions of losing a family member, um, having a dog that isn't necessarily like liking him at the very beginning. He has to build a relationship with this character. And I think it's going to really be a touching story about, you know, how adolescent boys can kind of work through that stuff. The friends he has, it looks like he's got a diverse group of friends. There's a uh, couple scenes where you can kind of see like his social life. He's got some pretty solid friends, which is always good to see in a movie that someone's got, you know, a good group of people that are, uh, there's a girl, for example, He's a, this young kid is expressing that like the dog doesn't like him. And she says, well, I can show you a couple things if you'd like. So someone decides to go on a journey with him and try to get this dog to kind of connect with him. So and then there's more to the story, too, that develops. I picked up on a lot of things in trailers. This is why I don't like trailers, because I pick up on too much. Yeah, that's a whole separate conversation we could have off podcast, too. But I feel like uh, I kind of got a good idea of what what the people would expect. I did. I did not look and see what the rating of it was. Do you know? PG. PG? Okay. Mm-hmm. It is PG. Uh, mostly for war themes. Right. Those kind of things. Um, John, what would your questions be after hearing that description? Is it um, is it a family movie? Like real um, tear-jerky, emotional, sort of uh, Marley and Meats type dog film? Ooh, I don't know if a dog is going to die. I wouldn't compare it to Marley and Me, not giving away anything that, that you've might seen or might it, not right? have. I have seen it. I saw okay. it last night. Um, uh, it is definitely meant to be a family film tearjerker uh it's very much a morality tale um it's you know it's uh it's interesting because it reminds me in a lot of the review i did uh feels a lot like a review i would do for a faith-based film where it feels like you know there's obviously the morals are very very important to it but it sometimes outshine the production value right you know so to speak so um although having said that the story is actually told pretty well. Like it's it's an interesting story. So yes, question Danae, for you. Um, need to know. Because I didn't see the movie, but you have, having just watched the trailer, how accurate am I? Am I very accurate. Good? Yeah, very okay. accurate. Yeah. So my question, I guess, would be like, who wants to see this movie? Is it is it the family together or? I think somebody who is who loves to go to a movie that echoes their beliefs in family and country and loyalty and, and dogs and dogs sure dog absolutely lovers. dog lovers you know those kind of people will enjoy seeing this because it will it will speak to those morals that they you know they hold very very dear Jonathan pop in if you've got another question I've got I've got one I already wrote down I do not know Max was the kind of movie that did not necessarily pique my interest but it's something I think I would probably pick up when it comes to home media that's actually um, what I, when, my question was is do you think it's worth the time in the theater or would you say wait for it to go to your home oh theater? this is this is definitely a wait for the rental there's no reason this needs to be that you need to pay big screen money to see this um the quality yeah, isn't for me, that good I, and perhaps this is sort of a, a selfish knock against you know movie theaters these days but for me i go to the theater for that more of an experience the louder bigger mad max fury road type experiences yeah whereas like i have a 92 inch projection screen at home so <laughs> yeah you're good like, you're good it doesn't bother me if i have to wait like right. my home theater is rather <laughs> enjoyable i so. just i just feel for the people who mean to go see max but accidentally buy a ticket to mad max oh <laughs> different very I feel different like that's confusing right they have two movies in the same cycle with a very near title <laughs> So you ready to go on to the second one? Yes, absolutely. Let's go on to Ted 2. So Ted 2, what I can take away from just watching the trailer. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw a comment. Somebody's like, what? Marley dies? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler uh, Spoiler alert. I, nev- I thought that was sort of the whole point of that film. Uh, <laughs> I think so. That's why I didn't go see it, because you could tell by the trailers it was leading up to this old, happy dog, like, like living a perfect life. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You'd prefer to be Phoebe, not knowing the end of Old Yeller. That is exactly right. I am Phoebe. <laughs> So Ted 2, um, I did see the trailers for Ted 1, did not see the movie. So if you don't know, it's a, a world where it's kind of like a, what's the duck? Howard uh, the Duck. It's like a Howard the Duck type thing where there is a totally animated, real talking creature that makes no sense in our world, but lives in our world. Mm-hmm. Ted is a stuffed animal. And we're going off of one and into two where he gets married and wants to have a baby and mm-hmm. has to prove that he is like a, a person.
person mm-hmm. to the court system. There you go. That's a very that is a that quick is sentence summary quick of that sentence movie. Summary, but automatically, just based on so first of all, I want to tell you, I clicked on the trailer. What's it called? Ted Two. Oh, the, you clicked on the Red Band trailer. The Red Band trailer. <laughs> oh, so, those are the best. <laughs> so I didn't even know these existed. But let me tell oh, you, I almost, I almost only watch those. <laughs> I understand why it's so much more of an accurate representation of what you're going to be involved in. So you've oh, got yeah. like these regular trailers that you see where they don't they, they don't even use some of the words. Well, it's interesting watching you watch the trailer for Ted Two, not the the Green Band trailer, the and red just, one, and hearing. Well, watching you watch the reg, the the one that's you know dumbed down. It was interesting because I'm like picking out like since I just saw the movie how much of it is changed well, that's like how they change saying. words and how they I change I didn't realize that Red Band will use actual audio from the film giving you more of an accurate representation of what you're getting into so like there was more cussing in it it was more lewd and crude so which is exactly it this is not a film where you're going to go and sit and watch a, a a fun happy like teddy bear version G interact in a world <laughs> Like, this is going to be pretty crude. So I don't know that I have very many questions because it seems pretty cut and dry. But what what about it seems cut and dry to you? Like when you say it seems cut and dry. Okay, so for me, that means that this movie is geared towards a specific audience, which are going to really enjoy like Adam Sandler. John says me. It's geared towards me. (laughs) Just wants to have a silly laugh about, you know. I don't even want to describe the scene that I'm thinking so here's of. The, so here's the thing. I don't here's know what, how uncomfortable it is. No, no, no. People. I understand. I understand. Here's the thing. If you know anything about Seth MacFarlane, I think you already understand that. Like, the yeah. guy who made this, this is what he does. It's like taking poop jokes to the next level. Right. You know? It, and not just poop jokes. No. It's bodily <laughs> All stuff. sorts of anything, inappropriate anything jokes, Anything that's yes. inappropriate with the body, we're going there probably. So I, I guess my question then is, uh, for you, Aaron, because you saw it last night, uh, if I enjoy Family Guy and Seth MacFarlane's sort of lower brow humor, will I enjoy Ted Two as much as the original? That's a good g- question. That's a great question, and that brings me to my exact like the center of my thoughts on this movie, which is I'm not sure. I know if you don't like Seth MacFarlane, you won't like it. And here's the thing about yeah, obviously. The, well, but here's the thing about the first Ted. I kind of liked the first Ted, and I don't generally like Seth MacFarlane movies. So I thought there was a heart to it that he showed in the first Ted that was something I hadn't seen in any of his other properties. Um, That is missing from Ted 2. So it goes back to, uh, you know, Family Guy style, you know, um, what was the West one that came out? A Million Ways to Uh, Die in the West. Yeah. Um, It feels like those movies, you know? So, and here's the thing. I was watching it in about a half full theater. Ted 2? Ted 2. And I'm assuming those are people who like Seth MacFarlane and, you know, want to be there. Or they want to escape their family because it's summer. (laughs) I'd say, I'd say two out of every three jokes, crickets. Like, really? Yeah, just dead silence, which is even more awkward when the, the filmmaker gives pause for the laughs. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's there are those spaces. laughter here. Yeah, and so there's just one or two set, you know, set, seconds of just a silent theater. And when you're in a half full theater, it's even more awkward and weird. So I'm not sure. I wonder if some of that stuff is even drawing, you know, starting to um, play out even with the fans of the style and the the director. I don't know because that's not me, so I can't assess it that way, as well as probably you could. Um, but well, I, I will tell you this. If you paid me money, I would go see this movie. <laughs> so, because it's not like it's going to be so offensive to my soul that I wouldn't go see it, but I also would not waste my time or my money to go see... Something that you knew. Something that I know is like... A couple of cheap laughs, you know, I'm not invested in the people. I didn't even see the first one. Right. But I'm always willing to hear, like, okay, was there a heart to the story? You know, is there something there that maybe I would enjoy? So if, like, a friend said, Danae, you would love Ted 2. I love that. I would go in, and then we would have an awkward conversation afterwards. Because, I will tell you, in the past, someone said, Danae, you're going to love Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> 
And I didn't at all. And so it was okay. like afterwards, I was like, okay, so why did you think I was? I don't like necessarily that? like either of those movies, but just because <laughs> I know there are Seth MacFarlane fans, including probably John, screaming, not the same thing. Like Paul yep. Blart Mall Cop and Seth MacFarlane movies no. are two very different type of movies. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're like. Is it the bad same. that I enjoyed both of those? No, <laughs> no, no, it is it not bad. This is what I. Sometimes, this is what I tell people. I like watching like a really simple comedy that just doesn't yeah. have any substance to it. I, Especially when they're not really mean spirited. Like I just saw the Wedding Ringer recently on DVD, and I was like, "This is trash. <laughs> this was just like not very wholesome. It wasn't very fun. Every character was sort of a jerk." Whereas, like, I feel like Ted and and even Paul Blart Mall Cop has like some redeeming qualities to the main characters. They're what's, not. Uh, I the thought movie? Ted Two was they're pretty. Decent. I thought Ted Two was pretty mean, actually. Though I thought a lot of the humor was. Like decorating. Yeah, a uh, lot of degrading well, kind then, of humor. And that, that could be a reason why I don't like it as much as the original. But That's true. It's from, from the trailers that I saw, the Red Band and otherwise, it looked like more of the same What's... for better or worse. And it looked like Seth's trademark sort of foul mouth pop referential humor. Oh, and now to here's... Me, I was like, yeah, I could have fun with that. I don't know that I'm going to spend right. uh, anything more than matinee to see it, but it right. looked like I'd have a good time. Here's with it. what I do like about Seth MacFarlane, and then I think we'll close this out. I love his pop culture references. I think he is oh, one of the most clever pop cultural, you know, kind of people. The way there's he part, uses pop culture in his movies is really, really smart. There's a part in the trailer. I, I just said a moment ago I didn't want to describe it because I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable. So it's just after this really uncomfortable, like, visual experience, the main character is falling over because he slipped in something. And the bear says, I'm going to take a picture and then I'm going to post it, hashtag, Ugh Monday. Mm-hmm. That's a good pop culture Gur reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gur Monday. <laughs> so th- I thought that was really clever, and that I did like about. He about is really, it, so. really good at that. I, cool. I, you know, that's what I, I'm willing to give, you know, to to the film is, is that stuff is really, really good. I love that the BDG in the comments just summed up Ted too. He says, "Dirty old bear fights to be recognized as a dirty old man." <laughs> <laughs> that is so true and accurate. Well done. So, do we want to go on to uh, the endorsement end? No, I think we still. We could probably do it in about a minute. Do it quickly? Yeah. Do it quickly? All right. So what we're going to do here at the end is each of us are going to go around and just talk about one thing in pop culture uh, that we want to kind of get out there. And today we'll start with you. So I was able to watch the E3 conference, um, specifically the PlayStation Sony uh, conference. And there's a video up on YouTube uh, from Flick Freaks. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's so, our good friend here in town who does, you know, movie reviews. Does, he, he does a lot of reaction he does. videos. He mm-hmm. does reaction videos and he he has interviews with people, et cetera. He invited me to come and be on his um, channel. So we sat down for like an hour and a half and watched the E3 conference. It's the first time I've done that. So I was able to kind of get a preview of a lot of fun video games coming out for PlayStation. So I've been kind of geeking out about researching different ones that I think I might enjoy. So if you uh, like video games and you want to see that, you can search on Flick Freaks. He just crossed 100,000 views on the shorter clip of him reacting. His reaction to, to the, the Final Fantasy VII news Final is hilarious. Final Fantasy VII is going to be remade. So that was a really fun experience. I just wanted to kind of talk about that. Jonathan, what about you? What would you endorse? Uh... That you're I don't. Into. I, what 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 is the what are the what are the boundaries of my endorsements? Well, you quick? mentioned Assassin's Creed that you've been into that. Like just pretty much anything that you're yeah, kind of geeking in pop out about. Culture you just yeah. want people to know about. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's silly because the game's been out for like nine years, but I just started playing the Assassin's Creed series, and I I, fin- I started and finished the first game in a week. I started and I'm about to finish the second game in my Ooh. second week, mm. and it's been really fantastic to go back and, and reconnect with these long gaming marathons I used to have when I was a teen. And then more importantly, that feeling we get, you know, when we're experiencing like a good movie or a book or a video game that we love so much, we don't want it to end. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that right now where it's like, oh, this game is so fantastic. I hope it never ends. And then I think to myself, it doesn't have to because there's like seven sequels I have to catch up on. <laughs> so as great as this game is, I know that I have Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Revelations and then three and Black Flag and all these other titles down the road with new titles still yet to come. So for someone who is willing to wait 10 years to play a best game of the year, it can be very rewarding. So if you haven't played a video game from 2007 yet, I would not <laughs> I would not put it off any longer. Go for it. <laughs> Go for I, it. Jump in. I, for whatever reason, I, I sort of was very, very patient. I had no inclination to pick it up. And now 
I am, I'm sort of mad that I didn't pick it up earlier. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Aaron, what about you? What would you endorse here in the last couple seconds of the podcast? Similarly, I just saw a TV show that's been out for a while uh, that I would recommend. I think I've talked about this actually on the show before, but it's called Gallivant. And uh, I don't think I mentioned it on Sif Pop before, but it is a musical. It's kind of like Monty Python, um, but it but it's all musical. So it's like that. All right. So the the songs are really clever, really funny, and but it's got that quirky tongue in cheek sense of humor in the medieval times. And I just thought they did a really really good job putting it together. And I thought the actors were wonderful. Like they they had that hamminess to them that was perfect, you know, for what they were trying to do. And it's only eight episodes long, and each episode is twenty minutes. So it's a cheap investment. Uh, to oh, see I, love the whole the, fr- I love those. Yeah. I love movies and shows that I can finish in a week. Those are great. So here you find ourselves at the very end of our podcast. And as mentioned earlier, we are going to be lingering around here at the end for a little outtake of conversation so that uh, the geek and our critic can go crazy <laughs> on their list fandom. And I will be doing, um, I guess, just live conversation about what I'm experiencing which will be fun. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for tuning into an episode of Sift Pop with the critic, the geek, and the girl. If you want to find us, you can find us at AaronAndDanae.com. Uh, any of the links that you know to stuff we do is there, including our radio show and all that kind of stuff. And we'd love to connect with you there. Again, you can find us at Patreon if you'd like to support us. Uh, and again, we'll have that uh, that clip we'll put up on Patreon this month as one of the exclusives that you get, you know, there at the Patreon page. And just a reminder: if you love Sift Pop and you want to subscribe specifically just to that podcast, you can actually search in iTunes and Stitcher now for Sift Pop and download just these pop culture um, podcasts. And please, if you do that, please consider um, going ahead and rating and subscribing so that people know kind of what's going on from your perspective, the fans' perspective. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next Tuesday at noon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.